Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello, this is Miriam Margulies, and you are listening to Joy 94.9. Hello, and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. It's Chris here. I'm a little bit exhausted from Easter, but I think there's a couple of other bright sparks with me who might be just as tired. I'm Phil, and I haven't been chasing bunnies like some people. And I'm Gordon, and I've had too many hot cross buns. Oh, is that what it is, lead in your feet? (laughs) Well, it's in my feet, yeah. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for joining us on Been There, Done That. As I said, we're a little bit exhausted from Easter. We're glad that it's over. Comers around every year. But it keeps moving. That's right. They keep moving the thing from... It can go right up to the... Almost the end of April from the beginning of March, depending on what the day is that the new moon falls on. And then it's got to be the week after that or something. I've got a theory. What? It's the one part of the church that has to pay tax, so they have no fixed address. Oh. The tax man can't find them. Can't find them. But okay, right. keep moving. Keep moving for Easter. <laughs> but they can they can have Christmas Day on the twenty fifth of December, and everybody knows when it is. Why can't they sort of pick a weekend in the middle of March, say, and say that's Easter weekend? Why, why don't they sort of hang it round about the the twenty second or twenty third of March, the equinox? It's something. Well, it probably, probably comes from that in the first blooming place, you know, because uh, it's a pagan thing easter is a ba- actually a pagan time and which they which i think the old goddess or whoever she was was ostra mm. which is where we get the word estrogen mm. for female, female fertility. fertility and that was springtime in the northern hemisphere which and that would sort of figure be about the, about the same time yeah. yeah yeah i don't know whoever brought this thing in about how they would have easter but they they certainly didn't have their brains about them I wonder when it was set. Oh, it's a long, long time ago, I think. Yeah, yes. because they mightn't have had many expert points of reference that they could point to and say, well, it's got to be. I suppose the moon was one of those rising things, and that's why uh, well, the, the Passover is also at this time of year because of their linking in with the moon's phases. But all the ancient societies used the, the moon and the stars for their and the sun for their seasonal changes, and they knew what was happening at the time. So I don't know whether it had anything to do with that. As Astrology is sort of part of this same concept, is it? Well, I suppose it is. They, it's they, more astronomy. They, no. they, <laughs> but they did. They, they also knew and they also named the stars and everything around them, you know. And uh, watching that show that had been on the ABC about astronomy, it's interesting to see that the Aboriginal people, their whole lives was governed by the stars. And they knew when the emu was in the, in yes. the Milky Way that that was when the water was coming. And I hadn't seen the emu before until it was displayed. To where it was, it's to it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And there it was in full flight. Well, if we keep looking, you might see the Easter bunny in the sky. <laughs> oh. That's when we have Easter. Oh, that's probably what they're probably that. No, no, no. 
it seems to be on the 1st of January. Oh, that's when Easter you can buy starts. high-cost buns. No, no, you don't. No, Boxing Day. <laughs> okay. Boxing Day is when the Easter hot cross buns oh, when, when we're well and done with Christmas. When we're, so. done, we're done with Christmas, they bring on the hot cross buns, yes. <laughs> oh, it's such a commercial event. Well, I suppose that then begs the question, really, should we be having Easter as a series of public holidays? Well, we here in Australia, who are spoilt rotten with Good Friday, Easter Sunday and Monday... And when I was young, Tuesday also got the, the, the rolled in there. Yes, yes. What? And when I was in America, Easter was Sunday. That was it. On Easter Day. Yep. Mm. You work on Good Friday, you work on Monday, and you don't complain because you've never had it any other way. Oh. So we That's really should count our... But our, well, our no, working, yeah. But ours, <laughs> ours comes from the British system because we're a Commonwealth country. We have an appreciation for public holidays. Like over there, they can't beat a bank holiday. And we have more holidays than almost any other country in the world. Easter is a good, good time because it is the last large holiday before you get right up into the Christmas time. Schools have time off. The children have to have a break at the end of the term, a nine-week term, so they can oh. have a bit of rest. And the teachers need a rest. They're the ones that need the rest. It's not the children, that's for sure. <laughs> God, if you've ever worked in a school, you know how hard teachers work. Yeah, and they're so exhausted from their last holiday. Well, oh, I... look, <laughs> when they have oh, their I'm struck a nerve. When they have their holidays, that's when they start doing working for the next term. I don't know where this came from, but our family on Good Friday had a quiet day. The radio didn't go on until six o'clock at night. Oh. People were sent to their rooms. Oh, not sent. We weren't confined. Okay, go and read a book. It's not a play day. We're just going to take it simple and quiet. I think it was just our family. Yes, family. Were well, you, you know, sad about the crucifixion? Well, I don't know whether it was a, a rollover from you, that. You really could shouldn't well feel have. guilty about it. It wasn't your fault. No, it wasn't my fault. No, you can't backdate. <laughs> That's right. I'm uh, sorry. I mean, the, the church does try and hang guilt on they're, people for their current activities, but I don't know how they can... So welcome to being there, done that, on Joy 94.9. Here we are, we're seven minutes into the show, and we didn't really explain to the dear listener what we try and do on this show. <laughs> we, we, we try very hard. We, we throw out our opinions. Yes. <laughs> As if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> we, we, we like to draw attention to those gay people in history, the gay icons, dicons and bicons, and the other pioneers in the gay and broader communities. We celebrate anniversaries about this time or events in history that have affected our lives even now. And so on today's show, we'll be talking about Leonardo da Vinci, because he was a bit of a bright spark. Uh, we'll be talking about some uh, singers in the pop era or the popular era, because that's where pop comes from. Um, we'll be talking about Barbara Streisand, Dusty Springfield, Andy Bell and his band Erasure. And then we've got a few of these public sort of general items that we're going to be talking about uh, just to wrap up the show. Filler oh. material. <laughs> I'll have or to stuff. I'll stuff. Have to. Yeah, we were talking about stuff last week, I think it was, we were talking about stuff. How yeah, well, this stuff week we'll talk, talk about things. I will talk about things, yeah. will we? Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> You're a rascal. You're a rascal, Gordon. Oh, well. So thanks very much. Let's have our first piece of music. What's it going to be? I don't know. Robbie Williams, Love My Life, here on Joy. I bet he does. So one day you say to me, I love my life.
Melbourne's lovable radio station, Joy 94.9. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. Someone who's having a bit of a birthday around about this time is our dear friend and compatriot, Leonardo da Vinci, born on the 15th of April, 1452. Yes. He was a bit of a wonder boy of his time. We wonder how he got that ability. Where did it come from? He must have been... They didn't have Vegemite or Wheatbix in those days. No. But something was sparking his brain, and he seems to have really cottoned onto a lot of things that no one else had thought about at that time, or he developed them from someone else's germ of an idea. Lady Gaga had the answer. He was born that way well and he was known as a polymath which is a man of great knowledge and learning polymath yeah i thought that was a parrot that could do sums let's see you're stealing my jokes (laughs) (laughs) i will mention that a polygon is an empty cage (laughs) oh polygon (laughs) (laughs) moving back to leonardo Leonardo dicaprio how about leonardo da vinci oh that'll do you see where my mind is anyway (laughs) but i mean look his interests included invention painting sculpting architecture science music mathematics engineering literature autonomy geology geology astronomy botany writing and history and cartography what did he do on weekends well he was he was also a very apparently very very good looking young man and um he was uh, very popular and he was actually had up on a charge of sodomy with um, some other young boys. Well, that they, makes you popular in certain circles. Yes, that's right. But he, did, he he was able to get off of that because homosexuality was absolutely illegal during the Renaissance. And yes, so he was but able once to get away again, with it. again, uh, if you're rich and famous, you can get away with a lot of things. Well, I don't know whether he was rich at the time, but he was probably getting to become quite famous. Well, he would have been popular at parties. Pick a subject. Yeah. <laughs> he knows all about it. That's right. Well, he, he was apparently, you know, some historians and scholars regard Leonardo as the uh, principal example of the universal genius, or some call him the Renaissance man. Unquenchable curiosity and feverishly inventive imagination. A couple of his qualities. But there are people now like that. I've known two remarkable minds in people and one guy had milk bottle glasses hearing age and a speech impediment but he could write a computer program in 20 minutes yeah his skills are a little bit more limited than leonardo but he in my mind he was a true genius and where his input and output devices were somewhat faulty inside there was just this incredible mind so i think they come along and see da vinci was at a time when Everything was yet to be invented. Yes, yes. So if the thought popped into your head, it's massive. <laughs> well, of course. You haven't done that before. Yeah, but I, I just, I just wondered, often wondered whether he was a savant. He could have been. He could have been a savant, you see, because there are people that like that who are savants that are absolutely, absolutely brilliant. They did a program on television about one chap, and he could do all sorts of things. He, he could sort of tell you the pi numbers right back to when the, the beginning of yeah. pi is a and it's just a continuous number you know but he could quote it back for i don't know how many points 200 yeah mm. yeah uh, but and then he was he went to iceland 
this young man and Icelandic language is a language that is very very hard to learn yeah. apparently because they the way they speak it he learned it in six days wow and he could speak fluent Icelandic in six days but that was the mind that he had now did Leonardo have such a mind he must have been rewired separately from the rest of us because mm. yeah mm. Um, when I was on my holidays in Italy last year I called into Milan which was one of the places where Leonardo did a lot of his work. Milan is one of the cultural centres of, of Italy, actually. Yes. Oh, yeah. Everything was happening in Milan and around the northern parts of Italy. Mm. Mm. Well, I went to a little museum where they displayed a lot of replicas in timber of his machines that he built. Uh, he, he did a flying bicycle. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure whether he'd actually had, we'd had bicycles at that stage, which were just sort of straddling machines that you walked like a, a kiddie's The velocipede, they were called. Well, this is you know, just like the little them. kids. Yeah. They don't have pedals at that yeah, stage. Right. Yeah. Well, on this particular flying bicycle, uh, the pedals on this forward machine actually had wings which flapped. They looked like birds' wings. But, of course, it really didn't work. But it was a stage of development of the concepts of bicycle and of flying machines to see what sort of, presumably, what sort of lift you could get flapping the, the wings of the bicycle to lift you off the ground. Well, he would have taken that from flying flying birds, which you yeah. could see them flapping, the, how they got their lift from that. But we're still doing that now. If you look at all modern aircraft, mm. they have winglets on the end. Yeah, that's to stop the thing. It, well, it stops the, the, the vortices falling. Yeah, yeah, yep. But they copied that directly from the Wedgetail Eagle. That's right. Who lifts up his feathers. But the, but the, the chap that actually flew first, it wasn't the Wright brothers that flew first. No. It was another bloke. He copied Da Vinci's wing system into a plane. Right. And that's how he found out he would be able to fly. Yeah. Good. And what? he was more on the mark than the Wright brothers. That's exactly who right. Who just put a box kite yes. with a motor. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's right. And that had no future at all. Mm. Mm. One of the other things that he, that Leonardo's museum showed was a rapid fire crossbow. Well, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> Bang, yes. bang, 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 bang. And yes, you wouldn't have to stop and load. Well, it was preloaded mm, mm. like a machine gun. Mm, mm. And, uh, yes, so we, I saw that one. There was a mechanical violin that was sort of like a machine violin, like a piano, play, like a play mm, piano mm, you had. Mm. Uh, there was this sort of um, violin that was played by a machine. It was something scraped across some strings that made the yeah. sound. Mm. Uh, there was a continuous organ. Oh, uh, God. Mechanical dragonfly, mechanical submarine where you got in and you actually pedaled it and he already had the buoyancy tanks as part of his mm. construction mm. at that stage. There was a robot soldier which was, in fact, a suit of armour in which a person could go but then it was able to launch weapons against the enemy. His mind must have been thinking on weird and wonderful lines. I guess he just had the foresight to actually write things down. Yeah, but he also wrote it ah. so that people couldn't read. He wrote it in reverse left-hand to right-hand writing so that you, you could pick it up. Nobody could understand what he'd written until somebody picked up a mirror and put it to the mirror and they could see that you could read it by reverse imaging. Yes, that's the way he... And he wrote it in his left hand, but he was a right-handed man. So that was another thing that, that sort of upset them as well. Very clever man, very clever man. You remember the old spinning wheel hmm. that would 
operate with a treadle. That's right. And the, the wheel would spin around, and the, the thread would actually then go on to what we call a bobbin. Bobbin. Well, Leonardo actually mechanized that putting it onto the bobbin so that the, the thread was evenly spaced across that. Oh, right. Previously, yeah. it had to be conical shape yes. so that it would work, but he did it on a plain spindle, and yeah, sneaky little fellow. Oh, well, he, he, I mean, who could actually see that there was anything wrong with what was already there? Well, the ladies that were spinning it would have blessed him for doing it because they wouldn't have had to worry about getting trying to get the thing on straight, would they? Yeah. And it's also really handy for the ball boys at the tennis. That's where the, um, the whole thing comes from, uh, the spinster and a wife. The spinster was the young unmarried woman that did the spinning and the wife did the oh. weaving weave a wife comes from weaving that's really? the yeah that's the history of it gordon he's been ar- he's been around so long i was going to say i'd never heard that explanation <laughs> no, it, it before is, uh, yeah wives, I, don't, I don't disbelieve the wives you. were the weavers they were they wove the cloth the spinners the spinsters wife did weave it. yeah incredible and yeah. spinster i love that yeah well that's where it comes from that's just i thought everybody knew that well, I'm a well, child of this century, but... Well, do you think I'm one from the last? Yes, I am, actually. <laughs> In fact, we all are. We all are. <laughs> now, dear Leonardo was into painting and sculpturing, and that was because he had a good eye for beauty. But he was also apprenticed to an artist when he was 14, because yeah. he had the he had the ability. He was a Verrocchio. Verrocchio was the place he was um, uh, apprenticed to, and Verrocchio just used to be able to put his name to everything after the apprentices and painted all and he'd probably put a couple of splashes of paint on and say he did it it's life it's tough that's tough isn't it that's the way they worked it in those days but I still that's what happens with apprentices these days as well I know from my apprenticeship that I did all the work (laughs) (laughs) and didn't get paid enough for it oh I got $35 a week one year did you yeah goodness me I was pretty happy at 17 yeah Yeah, at 17 (laughs) that's good Leonardo died in the arms of the king of France Francis I who was a very popular king and he had uh, asked Leonardo to come and live in France because there was a lot of trouble in Italy and so Leonardo went and he he took a couple of paintings one was the Mona Lisa and one was another one and they are still trying to work out what the Mona Lisa was and who it is they say it's the um, wife of the baker or something rather but there's um, a lot of theories there's a lot of theories but they did a very clever one on on the television and they showed that there are under there is an underpainting under it that they could see with the uh, new modern techniques for x-raying and all the rest of it there's another painting underneath it that could have been uh the one that's there now is a a copy of the one that was underneath it and then there was another one that said it was actually a a self-portrait of leonardo having a laugh at everybody painting himself as a woman because um, they put his photo of his head onto yeah. the actual head of the, the Mona Lisa, and it's a perfect fit. Wow. I've heard the painting underneath were four dogs playing cards on a velvet <laughs> table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. But he was a very clever man. He, he, hid, he had to hide all his extracurricular work, you know, so that people wouldn't steal it. Oh, oh I thought you meant... <laughs> Well, he, You're thinking of his private life. He, yes. Well, he hid all his, it, the, his of his inventions and everything, he, and and the rest of it. And he he wrote the what is it called the Verruccian Man or something or other. Um, the the one with the man standing with his arms out and legs out in, in a perfect circle that that the whole of your body will make a perfect circle. It's called the Vitruvian Man. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I knew him as Bob. You knew him as Bob, did you? <laughs> Someone in the long distant past actually summarised. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci's life as in the normal course of events many men and women are born with remarkable talents but occasionally 
In a way that transcends nature, a single person is marvelously endowed by heaven with beauty, grace and talent in such abundance that he leaves other men far behind. All his actions seem inspired and indeed everyone he does clearly comes from God rather than from human skill. Oh, I don't think that that's oh, right. Oh, hold somehow. on, no. That was the concept of the time. That this oh, that's was right, yeah. yeah. Everybody acknowledged that this is true of Leonardo da Vinci, an artist of outstanding physical beauty who displayed infinite grace in everything that he did and who cultivated his genius so brilliantly that all problems he studied he solved with ease oh that's very good and he had time to play around on this edge and he he had but he he, he always hid his sexuality yeah Uh, it was one of the things he never talked about or or, um, flaunted but he did have a, a, a basically a live-in lover for many many years who actually went to france with him Mm. when he went to france i suspect when he walked into a room he didn't say i'm free (laughs) (laughs) he didn't need to wouldn't need to i would think here's a little mix what are they going to be singing for us they're going to be singing touch here on joy This Joy program has a podcast and you can subscribe to it at joy.org.au. And you can download the podcast and email us separately, of course, at oh. been there at joy.org.au. Tell us how good we are. Oh, we have, don't or hold. correct us. <laughs> Tell us where we've gone wrong. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. You're listening to Been There, Done That with Phil, Gordon and Chris. Indeed. You, we'd love to hear from you too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to get some feedback from some of the things we sort of ramble on about and giggle about. And, well, I, I, and I feel I've got a bone to pick with you. Ooh. Oh, oh. A very big bone to pick with you. Last week, you had no Simpsons reference whatsoever. I um, don't know what you were doing. I, I was ill. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a brain aneurysm which blocked out all my Simpsons memory. <laughs> I was listening to our replay this morning, and I thought I was waiting for Phil, and I suddenly thought, no, he didn't say anything about The Simpsons last week. Well, well I will right now. This is off topic, but we one of our possible subjects today was about Mr. Guillotine. Monsieur Guillotine, yes. The inventor of the guillotine. That's right, yes. yes which yes. is a nice head-chopping device for people you don't like. Oh, yeah. And in a flashback episode of The Simpsons... Um, Police Chief Wiggum was the... What, executioner. What's the executioner? What, he just called an executioner, is he? Hmm. And um, he said, I've done some reading, and the brain actually stays alive for about five seconds. So I put some magazines in the bucket where the head lands. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got something to do. <laughs> Thank you. And and when we're talking about Leonardo da Vinci, we keep getting caught up with think Leonardo DiCaprio. And it's not just the name. They're, they're both very good-looking men. Well, true. But I'm sure Lisa had a hots for Leonardo in once in an episode. Oh, you got me there. No? Chopped my head. Oh, you must have chopped your head off as well. Mm. Someone <laughs> who is featured and has been featured for quite a few years in the gay scene is uh, Barbara Streisand. Not because she's gay, no. 
her because she's a good belter of songs. She's an icon to the gay community. She is. Many a drag queen would oh, sing the songs, her songbook and, yes. Yes, the, the song she's sung that drag queens have turned into performances is amazing. Um, she always was dressed in the films in, <laughs> in wonderful frocks and huge hats and mm. and uh, she was expressionful with her facial and, and hand actions. So I suppose she was a good good role model for drag queens and she's having a birthday this week isn't she yeah well she was born on the 24th of april 1942 oh well so there you are yeah i I saw her live at the um etihad stadium oh good before better than seeing her dead in the coffin she was that better than the other option yeah (laughs) (laughs) but it was a it was a huge crowd there but it was the very first thing they had at at that stadium down at docklands and um i vowed and declared i'd never go back there again it was such a danger coming out of it. I had to. St- well, I would have thought that the concert itself would have endangered everybody standing up doing the sing along, no, no, hand no. actions. We were, we were, <laughs> very, we were very lucky because we had seats way up the back, but they had to cover those seats with cloth because that was bad for the sound and we were stuck we went right down into the very expensive seats and so we were up close and personal and we'd paid for the very cheap ones so we we thought that was rather nice yeah but coming out was was the way you had to get out of the place and i was trying to protect a man who was on walking sticks in front of me and though people pushing behind it was a shocking place i would have just been disappointed turning up there they hadn't seen that she didn't even kick a goal no, no. I don't think they had the goalposts up even that no, night. No wonder she didn't kick no. a goal. Yeah, but she's but um, she has a big machine that says the words of everything. She looks up auto an auto cue, a huge auto cue, and the words would have probably been about ten centimeters high, and so she could see them from where so she was she standing. So she didn't have to squint her yeah, eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes, a lot of artists use that, but they still say to Melbourne audiences, "Thank you, Sydney." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fools. Uh, oh. Someone who never probably did that because she had reputedly the words of songs written on her sleeves was Dusty Springfield. Well, she had bad sight, of course. Uh, she was. Well, she had you very say bad of sight. course, but but well, because that's why she put the oh, things on yeah, her sleeve. Right. Uh, born on the sixteenth of April, nineteen thirty-nine, about the same vintage as Barbara Streisand, but she didn't last all that long. No, she would. She had a, a Died huge in ninety-nine, mm. but. Yes, she's another drag artist's oh, idol yeah, that's right. example. And apparently, yes, she used to have the, the words written on the sleeves of her frock. So when she would throw her hands out, she was really referring to the, the songs the songs written on her sleeves. Her, I thought that was her artistry. The author, I've, uh, I've read the um, biography of um, Dusty, and it's a very interesting thing. She, had, she was very um, tormented in her own mind in lots of ways, and she would take hours to just sing one song because the phrasing would have to be absolutely perfectly right in tune with the, whatever they were playing and she she could spend hours just perfecting one song well of course what happens nowadays is that uh, in the recording booth one of the ears of the um headphones that the singer wears has got the click beat they got the beat there click 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 so that they click, can keep track, so they can keep nodding their head or stamping their toe in time and of course they they lay down on the recording machines the vocal track 
separate from the instrumental track so they can go back and they can stretch mm, a word mm, or shorten mm, a word mm, mm. or really they lock it in with the the click track and everything just falls into place. Well, this is what she did to the nth degree apparently. Before all those yeah, digital yeah, yeah, tools yeah, yeah. are available. And because she did, then she went into a, a, a slump and it was the Pet Shop Boys that, that got her to come back and sing on one of their tracks and that relifted her whole persona again yeah, and she went, went up to, yeah, and she was uh, but but then she got the cancer and that was the end yeah so it was a great great um singer great songs yeah just on a connected thought of the perfection of dusty this morning on tv there was a a viral clip from the first american idol singer oh i don't know um not sure no i've lost that idea <laughs> but she'd made a horrible noise in the studio mm. like the note just didn't come out and she said, cut, put that on loop. <laughs> so that just went round and round and round again. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Oh, Kelly Clarkson. Oh, yes. And she was rolling on the floor, killing herself laughing. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, of course, the, the recording techniques have improved so much since the days when Dusty would have been recording. And, and We've actually gone through some horrible stages, though. In the 70s, they took multi-track recordings to the extreme. Oh, right. And a lot of the ELO albums were recorded on multi, multi, multi-track mm. so that the tracks themselves were so small, they lost the quality. Because ah. he wanted to get all these various sounds. sounds he in. wanted to be, you know, mm. the wall of sound again. Mm-hmm. And he got that, but lost. Even on CD, it sounds just shallow. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. But you being you being sort of into the that sort of um, scientific thing with sound and music and and uh, computers and stuff. Yeah, I don't think the sound of music was all that computerised. <laughs> There's just a lady on a hill singing a heart out. <laughs> Stay tuned because coming up after these special messages, we'll be talking about Andy Bell and Erasure, and we might even play a piece of music from him before that chat. You're on joy. Uplifting, informing, empowering. Joy 94.9. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. We're doing, we'll do some of the informing rather than the empowering. Oh, all right then. Because it's getting late. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't got the energy to empower people. So We've got Radiothon coming up very soon very here soon. on Joy. Yes, yes. And we just want to tease you a little bit with the concept that there's going to be some wonderful prizes. If you're not already a member, we'll, you'll be able to join up during the months of May and June and be in the draw for a huge, wonderful prize. Yeah. We don't know what it is yet, but it's Yes, it's we do. We've got to, to keep say. listening. We're not allowed to say. Ooh, secret. Yeah, it's a secret prize. It's, it's, it's a teaser. Just stay tuned because it'll be in the, from the middle of May right through to the end of June. We'll be having Radiothon. And as we'd like to remind people, we're on air, we don't run on air. That's right. So stay tuned because it's going to be a really, really fun time when it's when it really happens. But we'll be talking about it a bit as we go along for the next few weeks, letting you know what's happening. We heard from Andy Bell and the song Love You to the Sky, which is the first single taken from his new album, 
Only released as a single on the 17th of March, yep. and here we are already. It's on Joy's playlist. That- Andy Bell, Andrew Ivan <laughs> Bell, born on the 25th of April 1964, and lead singer of the synth pop band of England, Eurasia. Eurasia, yeah, they're they're a great band. They've got a great sound, but Andy does a lot of solo work as well, and he's he's released a couple of really really interesting solo albums where he's actually it's like an opera. He sings the whole story through song and um, he did it at the um, Edinburgh Festival a couple of Edinburgh festivals he's done these two shows yeah but he also sang opera he was the, he played a big part in an opera um, that was performed Um, when I get around here it was called The Fall of the House of Usher that was in 1991 they reissued the recording in 1999 so he's done he's he's quite a good singer wow Hmm. I can just see myself sitting in the front row saying I don't know the name but the face rings a bell (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> okay, thank you, Phil. <laughs> uh, but apart from doing pop stuff and an opera stuff, he's uh, done a couple of uh, albums for charity. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. He is he, HIV positive, so he does a lot of work for the AIDS community yeah. in, in Britain, for different charities there. He's um, very well aware, and he's very, very vocal about... Um, people having unprotected sex. Yeah. He's very vocal, even to to... to Zero-converted zero people, like mm. both with HIV. Well, he, he said that's wrong. He's mm. been living with HIV since 1998. So mm. here we are, uh, 19 years later, yep. and he's going strong. That's right. Well, the, the new drugs that are available uh, make the viral load almost completely undetectable. But he raised funds for AIDS and HIV research. And he's been one of those people who leads the simple life and is, is not really out there trying to just make money, it would seem. He's really proud of his activities as an artist but he leads a simple life with his husband and his dog he makes records goes to edinburgh to do a show does gay pride marches personal appearances he does gigs on gay cruise liners it's sort of he's not out there just in the guise of the singer and as you were saying before gordon he does lots of personal appearances supporting the protection of the community how people can play safe that's right and that's one good thing a lot of the the gay artists are doing this because look what elton john has done and well aware of what they have to do to help support the community uh, with the um aids aids epidemic he he also would you believe suffers from a vascular necrosis mm. or soft bones soft bones mm. yes he's had both his hips replaced yeah so he can't go pogoing around the stage like he used to <laughs> <laughs> that little bone disease wasn't related to hiv no, so no, that was no, something he's had all the time yes mm. he's done time with narcotics anonymous well not, not because he needed to do it but he had other he's got an addictive personality that he recognized I like smoking, drinking, but the, you have to realise in the end that you're not indestructible. You're responsible for your own actions. Nobody else is going to look after you. You need to be healthy. You need to be on top of things. You need to be kind to yourself. He's a very interesting young man, actually. Or he's not young anymore. He's getting getting along towards being middle aged. Born in sixty four, so that makes him three. Make forty three. Forty three. How are you youngst about your age, Phil? Well, he's a decade under me. Oh, and, oh. and a couple. He's chasing you, though. Yeah. Oh, he's never going to catch up. No. <laughs> Pretty good on my feet. In <laughs> April 1862, Louis Pasteur completed the first test of pasteurization. And he was a very 
it was a useful thing that he discovered. Once again, he'd drawn conclusions from things happening around him, just like Leonardo extended uh, the concepts that of things that were in the ordinary. Mm. And what did, what did Pasteur... He was he, he actually credited with being the founder of microbiology, and he uh, moved into this field when he discovered the role of bacteria in fermentation, and his research showed that uh, microorganisms contaminated the fermenting beverages. In extrapolating from his knowledge, Pasteur then developed a process in which liquids such as milk were heated to kill all bacteria and moulds already in the milk. Yeah, I suppose some things depend on uh, this microbe activity. Mm. Other things suffer from it. But so the, the interesting thing is, if we compare him to da Vinci... Da Vinci had all these visions and concepts. Pasteur was talking about stuff you can't see. Oh, yeah. So this was a theory, and it obviously... Well, they did have come up with the results. They did have microscopes in those days that they would have been you would have been able to see microbes and all sorts of things like that. Yeah, but he wouldn't have known whether they are good or bad ones. No, but the, because you know, think blue cheese is full of microbes, that's right. but it's still tasty and goes down that's well. Right, yeah, but see, I can I can always remember we we just drank milk straight from the dairy. It was never you, you put your billy can out on the front veranda, and the milkman came along with his great big forty gallon drum of milk and got the dipper and dipped you dip it out to. Uh, quarts of milk or whatever the billy held and just left it on your veranda well we used to have family up in charlton on a farm and they had a cow and it would be milked and the milk would come around to my auntie's place in a big bucket Mm. and they'd scoop the cream off the top and leave a bit in for the drinking milk and yeah it's not pasteurized it's not homogenized or anything but the memories of it is it's the best milk i've ever had yeah but 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 it's full of bugs but we also but we also used to uh, you would heat the milk and let the cream rise and the cream would then set and it become really set cream that you could just scoop off with a a thing rather than going into the the separation of the the two fluids the heating of the milk was the thing that killed the bad bugs that's right yeah yeah and of course you couldn't do i don't know that you can actually create yogurt from cooked milk I don't, yeah, you do. You have you to heat do, the, you have to heat the have milk. You've got to have your little starter. You, you have your you have your little yogurt starter because I used to make my own yogurt. <sighs> Man of many talents, Phil. Well, it's, it's, if you stop cleaning under your fingernails <laughs> long enough, you start creating your own yogurt. Yeah, I, I used to make yogurt. I used to. It was very easy to make, and I had a special um, electronic. I've still got it at home, and, and you just heat the milk to a degree, certain temperature, with the uh, the special mm. thermometer, and you just pour the milk into the uh, with the starter yogurt in it. Stick it into these things, leave it for about six days, and that and it comes up. I have a more modern method of getting such products as dairy products go to a shop and buy it you go to the supermarket to the <laughs> the dairy aisle oh, is that weird? and you have a selection of flavors and colors and all sorts of things but there are downsides because they got full of sugar no 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 none of that this the problem is and there was this blonde girl in the juice aisle all right and she's staring at this this bottle of orange juice hmm. and i went up to her and said what's the problem and she said it says concentrate <laughs> she'd been there for hours <laughs> that that i might have to cut that out of the recording i oh, think no, no, that's a gem. i'd leave it in if i were you that's a, one of my classics <laughs> Oh, yeah. golly gosh, golly gosh. Well, we haven't got time to tell you that on the 10th of April 1912, the Titanic set out on its fateful journey. That's three-hour cruise. It's and a maiden voyage. Leonardo was on the bow. Not Da Vinci. No. no. 
And then that other lady singing. <laughs> Celine. Celine Dion, yes. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. <laughs> is she Canadian? Yes. Yeah, she's from Canada. Yes. Who said Canada as well? Was that? I can't remember oh. that. that was... I think that was Mr. Rabbit. Oh, Mr. Rabbit said yes. Mr. Abbott said Canada. So there we are. We've come full circle. We're back to Easter and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> oh, that's very sad. Terrific. Thanks very much for being with us. It's time to depart this here place uh, the wishing hour is upon us almost it's either time to go to bed or time to get up so thanks very much for being with us we'll catch up with you next week but we will leave you with another piece of music from adam lambert see you next week bye for now bye 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 hey there i'm adam lambert and you're listening to joy 94.9 where well, i was walking for some time when i came across this sign saying who are you and where are you from we don't like when visitors come no trespassing You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. 